morning, Bridge. Let me just say, first of all, it is so good to officially be a part of this church. You all, you all have made me and Kirsty, my wife, feel so welcome here. And we are enjoying the process of getting to know this church family, but just bear with us if we have to ask for your name the third or fourth or fifth time. It's because we're slow. There's a lot of names to learn. Well, today we are continuing on in our series on Matthew, looking at chapter 12 today. Go ahead and turn there now in your Bibles. Chapter 12 of Matthew. And to get us started, I want to ask a simple question. Are you tired? Are you tired? I'm tired. I woke up this morning and I told Christy, Christy, I, I don't know if I can preach today. I am tired. Are you tired? Are you tired because your kids ran into the room at 4 a.m. this morning? Are you tired because you haven't had a good night's rest in weeks? Are you tired from life, from the grind, from working hard with not so much to show for it? Are you tired of feeling like it's all on you, like it sits on your shoulders all the time? If this is you, if you're tired, then today's passage is for you. Because today in Matthew 12, we are talking about rest. We'll look at Israel's messy relationship with rest. And then we're going to look at the kind of rest that Jesus wants for God's people. The same rest that he wants today for us. Please stand for the reading of God's word from verses 1 through 21. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. The Son of the Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. 
Many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I don't know if you noticed, but things just got heated. What we just read was an intense showdown between the Pharisees on the one hand and Jesus on the other. It was a challenge, an attack, and then a defense leading to plots and conspiracies. And before the end of the book, someone's going to die. So what exactly just happened? If we want to understand what just went down, we need to understand what Jesus and the Pharisees were arguing about in the first place. We need to understand the Sabbath. Because for all parties involved, the Sabbath was a big deal. Everybody agreed that this was an extremely important thing. But as we just saw, people disagreed about what the Sabbath should look like. So what is the Sabbath? Quite simply, the Sabbath is a day of rest. On the seventh day of the week, on Saturday, Jews were required to not work. And this wasn't just vacation days or or clocking out. This was a weekly command from God. God cared a lot about this. He wanted his people to rest. Why? Why did God care about this so much? Why was this a big deal for him? It's because God himself rested on the seventh day. Exodus chapter 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Notice first how this applied to everyone. Male and female, young and old, locals and immigrants. I mean, even the livestock, the animals, were commanded to Sabbath, to rest. God cared about Because God wants his people to rest like he rests. God wants his people to rest like he rests. He wants them to do as he does. It's Father's Day today. I don't know if you noticed. This is a lot how fathers naturally want to share their interests with their kids. How fathers want to share time with them, spend time with them want them to grow up to be like they are. 
And so you end up with 15-year-olds who have opinions about classic rock and lawn care. God wants that for us. He wants us to share in his rest. And he felt this especially because he knew that his kids, his people, they needed rest. Deuteronomy 5 says this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So far, pretty familiar, right? Sounds just like the one we just read in Exodus, but listen to this. That your male servant or your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, what did God know? He knew that his people, they didn't know what rest was like. Over the course of 400 years of slavery, they hadn't known anything like their father's rest. These were people who had known nothing but brutal work, terrible slavery. And so again, God tells them, you know what? Give everyone a break on this day. Male and female, young and old, human and donkey, native or foreign, even your servants. Especially your servants, the poorest among you. Because this day, the Sabbath was not just about what God did at creation. It was about what God did in freeing his people. Deuteronomy tells us, remember how you were a slave in Egypt? Remember how God brought you out from there? He didn't bring you out so you could keep on toiling, keep on being in slavery. He brought you out to rest, to know his rest, his freedom. Folks, we got to celebrate Juneteenth yesterday, amen? amen? That day in Galveston, Texas, when black Americans who had known nothing but slavery first heard that they were free. Imagine how they must have felt on that day. Imagine the joy of freedom, the hope of rest. This is what God wanted for his people, Israel, Juneteenth. Every week. That sounds pretty good, right? You're thinking, no work? I can get behind that. I'll take a break. But for a lot of people back then, for a lot of people today, this is harder than it seems. Because while a break sounds nice, while it sounds good to just take a day off, if you're trying to get ahead, if you got your own business, if you farm your own land or own your own house, there is always more to do, amen? If you're trying to provide for your family to put bread on the table, there is never not going to be something that needs to be done. Friends, to do Sabbath right, to do Sabbath in the way that God's talking about it here, it actually takes a lot of trust. 
Trust that it's going to be okay to rest. Trust that you can let go. Trust that God's going to provide. And the sad news is that Israel, they did not have this kind of trust. Yes, Israel had this amazing gift from God, a gift of rest, a gift of freedom. But the tragedy, the tragedy that we're told over and over again in Scripture is that they never chose to enjoy it. They didn't know how to rest. They didn't know how to trust. And as a result, they suffered the consequences of that. Listen to Ezekiel 20. It says this. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live in my Sabbaths. They greatly profane. Ezekiel's saying, if you do these laws, if you take a Sabbath break, if you rest, you will live. The Sabbath and all the rest of the law was a gift of life. If you did it, you would have life. And so what happens when you reject it? What happened to Israel when they rejected the law of the Sabbath, when they rejected life? They chose death. God scattered them among the nations. He sent them into exile. To understand the Pharisees of Jesus' time, to understand the people that he's fighting with in our passage today, you need to understand this exile. You need to understand that this was a traumatic experience. It was like slavery in Egypt all over again. Loss of life, loss of home, living in a foreign land under the boot of a godless People, godless oppressors. Israel had refused the law of life. They'd rejected the Sabbath, a gift of rest. And so Israel got what they wanted. They got death and toil and pain. Israel's religious leaders understood that the exile happened as a direct result of ignoring God's law, as a direct result of not resting. And so when God miraculously brought his people back to the land, when he graciously returned them to Israel, Israel's leaders vowed, they promised, we are never going to let this happen again. Look at what it says in Nehemiah 13. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you're bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. What's Nehemiah saying? He's saying, what are you doing? Don't you remember what happened last time? Stop being dumb. Don't mess this up for the rest of us. Just rest. And he wasn't wrong. Israel had been given a second chance, a new lease on life, an opportunity to avoid past mistakes. And so over the course of the next 500 years, Israel's religious leaders, the Pharisees, were guided by this determination to not repeat history. We're not going to let the exile happen again. It was out of this determination that we got the Pharisees that we see in this passage today. These Pharisees, they had a pretty simple plan for the Sabbath. 
They were going to make sure that Israel followed God, that they kept the law, that they never broke it again. So they got together and they thought it through. They said, God said we're not supposed to do work. Okay. But what counts as work? What, I mean, it seems like a simple question, right? What counts as work? But for them, they were like, okay, well, we can't just leave it up to interpretation. So they came out with a list of 39 things. Things like planting, and washing, and cooking, and writing, and traveling. And you're thinking, okay, 39 things, that's pretty simple. I can, I can keep that in my head. But, but it gets more complicated than that. Take traveling, for instance. If you wanted to travel, if you wanted to make sure that you didn't travel, rather, you want, didn't want to break the Sabbath by, by traveling, what counts as traveling? Is this walking over to my neighbor's house? Can, can I go outside of the Wichita city limits to go see a friend? What if it's going to the east side or the west side? What is the maximum distance? Or what if I take a few breaks in between? What, what counts? I'm not exaggerating when I say that the Pharisees filled books upon books upon books with questions like these. How do I keep the Sabbath? What counts as work? And because it was such a complicated question, they decided, look, better safe than sorry. We're not only going to be very detailed about what Sabbath looks like, we're going to make sure that no one ever even gets close to breaking the Sabbath. So the Pharisees put up what they called a fence around the law. A fence. They they didn't want to accidentally break the Sabbath, so they put a buffer there. For example, I'll give you a few examples. Writing, right, counts as a kind of work. And so, of course, you shouldn't be writing anything on the Sabbath, but wait, you also probably shouldn't even have a pen in your pocket. Or or you might be tempted to write. I'm not making this up. This This is in their law. Or here's another one, washing floors, that counts as a kind of work. And so, of course, you shouldn't be washing floors on the Sabbath, but wait, you also probably shouldn't take a bath, because what if some of that water spills out onto the floor and and washes it? That kind of counts, right? As you can imagine, this got pretty old pretty quick. This was burdensome. But you better not ignore any of these rules because we're on this together. We're not not about to break the Sabbath. We're not about to bring another exile on us. And that's why in today's passage, Jesus' attitude towards the Sabbath was so irritating to the Pharisees. Look with me at Matthew 12, the very beginning, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. They began to pluck grains heads of grain and to eat. They're just walking through. They see some, some wheat and they pick it up and they kind of roll it in their hands and pop it. It's like, like snacks. They're just eating snacks. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Uh, Mr. Jesus, uh, with all due respect, what in the world are you doing? Don't you see what your guys are doing? They're, they're picking grain. That's harvesting. And we all know that harvesting is work. Oh, but it gets worse. Look at verse 9. He, Jesus, went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, 
Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And what does he do? He heals the guy. I mean, the nerve. He's not even trying to hide it. Everyone knows that on the Sabbath, doctors are not supposed to practice. At least not anything other than emergency procedures. And that guy doesn't look like he was in any kind of emergency. I mean, he has lived his whole life with a withered hand. So what are you doing, Jesus? This is an elective procedure. (laughs) Clearly, Jesus had a very different attitude towards Sabbath than the Pharisees did. He just straight up ignores their rules and their definitions of what does and doesn't count as work. In fact, instead of keeping their rules, Jesus challenges the very basis of their rules. Look at verse 3, what he says. He says to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? That was an exception. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's from Hosea 6. You would not have condemned the guiltless, but the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Look, you, you Pharisees, you may know a lot about the Sabbath, but this Jesus He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's in charge of it. He gets to judge who is or isn't breaking it. He gets to say what counts as work and what doesn't. I mean, have you boys even read your own law? That's what Jesus says. Come on, this is basic stuff. Remember how they made exceptions for David and for the priest who worked the temple? Well, guess what? Someone greater than David, something greater than the temple is here. In fact, This is the guy that wrote the law. Jesus invented the Sabbath. And he's telling you right here, right now, you've got it all wrong. So you better listen. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, most definitely knew what Sabbath was all about. And he wanted the Pharisees to know that they were completely off base. Because, in fact, they were working so hard to keep the Sabbath in working so hard to keep the Sabbath, they were actually missing the whole point. Like we said at the beginning, what is Sabbath about? Rest. Sabbath is about rest. And it was as clear back then as it is today that what the Pharisees doing wasn't very restful. In fact, the Pharisees had gone so overboard that they were now in direct contradiction to the heart of the law to the heart of God. So Jesus told them, look, I'm the one who gave you the Sabbath, and this is what I want. I want mercy and not sacrifice. I don't want mindless ritual. I don't want you to just, you know, clock in that church and and wear your Sunday best and, and call it good. I want you to see that the Sabbath was given to you as something life giving, something merciful and good. So if you're trying to decide whether or not something counts as work, know for certain that what you are allowed to do is good. Look at verse 11. Jesus says to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? 
of how much more value is a man than a sheep. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Let me ask you this. Of those two, that image, that scene we just saw, which of those two, the Pharisees or Jesus, is truly keeping Sabbath? The Pharisees who spend their Sabbath accusing and conspiring and plotting destruction of the very Lord of the Sabbath? Or Jesus, who does good and heals and brings life? Which of these two is the better picture of Sabbath rest? Their bitter hearts and, and, and finger pointing? Or the man who for the first time in decades had use of his hand? I think the answer is pretty clear. The Pharisees' rest wasn't rest at all. But Jesus, Jesus knew what true rest was. Look at how he responds to the Pharisees in our last section today. There in verse 15. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Like they wanted to kill him, and Jesus, he knew that, and so he withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what, the prophet, or what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. Does that sound familiar? Behold, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. When Jesus was baptized, God put his spirit upon him. He said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one with the authority and the power and the might, this Jesus, what could he have done? He could have destroyed the Pharisees for their evil hearts, knowing that they were plotting his destruction. He could have come and, and punished sinners. He, he could have commanded even harsher rules than anything that had come before an even more burdensome yoke. That would have been within his rights. He could have done that. But this Jesus was a very different kind of Lord than what we could have expected. This was what? This was a servant. Behold, my servant, one who cares for those who are already beaten down, people who feel like bruised reeds just about to snap. People who feel like smoldering wicks, candles that are about to go out. Tired people, broken people, weary people. This Jesus, this servant king, comes instead proclaiming justice and mercy. And in him, there's true hope among the nations. A true Sabbath, a full rest. Because this Jesus is not only the creator of the Sabbath, he's not only the Lord of the Sabbath. More than being the Sabbath Lord, Jesus is what the whole thing has been about. Jesus is the Sabbath fulfillment. See, more than just a day off, the Sabbath 
was always meant to point to something bigger. Remember, the Sabbath is a day of rest. But true rest, lasting rest, would not come from a temporary break in the week. It wouldn't come from just one day off. No, instead, the Sabbath was given to God's people to point them forward to a day of permanent rest. Not just rest from work, but rest from the pain of this world. Rest from withered hands, from cancer and COVID, from hunger and thirst and murder and strife. Rest from sin and death itself. Sabbath was meant to guide Israel towards a time when God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. True rest. When humanity would finally live in right relationship with their God. Jesus came to accomplish that will. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest. He came to bring rest. Remember what Jesus said last week in chapter 11. He said this, Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's a servant. He will not break the bruised reed. He does not come quarreling or crying aloud. He will not extinguish the smoldering wick. Come to me. I will give you rest, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Pharisees came with a heavy burden, a heavy yoke, but Jesus has a light burden, an easy yoke. He's going to carry that burden with you. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but friends, if you're tired, if you are carrying a heavy burden and need relief, if if you don't know how you're going to go on, if you can't take it anymore, come to Jesus and he will give you rest. True rest, lasting rest. I know sometimes church can feel more like the rules of the Pharisees than the rest of Jesus. But I want you to know today that there is rest in Christ. Rest from the weight of this world, rest from the hardness of our hearts, rest from the sin that enslaves us, rest from the evil that keeps us from truly knowing our God. If you are in Christ right now, you have that rest. We have a Savior we can lean on, a God whose arms are open wide. And when the Lord of rest returns, we have the sure hope that he will bring a permanent rest, an eternal rest, a lasting one. If you don't know Jesus and you want to learn more about this rest, come talk to me or or Brandon or, or somebody else in our church family, and we would love to pray with you. And if you do know Christ, brothers and sisters, if like me, you are waiting, longing for the time when this is all over, when we finally get to truly rest, listen to this encouragement from the book of Hebrews chapter 4. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Brothers and sisters, Bridge, we don't have to live like the Pharisees. We don't have to live in fear of another exile. We don't have to keep up with all these rules and, 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 and try to figure out all of this stuff. We have been given the true meaning of Sabbath, the true rest, the Lord of the Sabbath who lives in our hearts. Just like Israel, you are now the people of God and you have been given a gift. You have been given true rest. So rest. Enjoy that gift. Enjoy what God has made today. Trust that he will provide because he has already provided for us with more than we could ever ask for. He's provided his own son. And so hope in the coming of our Savior and the everlasting rest that he will bring. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, we are tired. We have had a long year. We are weary and broken and restless. But God, you see our restlessness. You care for us. You know what we're carrying. You know the burdens that we lift on our shoulders, God. You don't want us to be alone in that. And we pray right now that you would be with us, that you would not leave us alone. We pray right now that we would know the rest that we already have in your Son. God, that we would truly enjoy the rest that you have given us. God, help us to not be weighed down by fear, but to trust you, to trust that you will provide. God, give us rest today. Give us rest in your Son, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest, the true rest. Give us hope in him. We pray this in his name. Amen.